0: Welcome to good girls talk about sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey. And this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. In my quest to bring you stories from many different backgrounds and life experiences, I often identify gaps, stories that we haven't told in any meaningful way. When that happens, I reach out to people who could fill that gap to invite them to do an interview. The conversation with Kristen two episodes ago fell into that category. I hadn't had anyone on the show who was asexual, so I went out searching for a guest. And I'm always so grateful when random people on the internet say yes. What I especially love is when I bring someone on to fill a gap, and they end up telling me a story I had no idea was coming. It happened back in January 2021 with Debbie. I recruited her because she was postmenopausal and still had an active sex life. I had no idea she brought with her a story of sexual abuse in elite women's gymnastics. And it happened again in this conversation with Maya. I invited her to join me because she has a stutter, and I was curious about how that affected her sense of self in relationships and how she communicates with partners. I had no idea that we were going to go deep on how to handle it when your partner, Tells you they're not as attracted to your body as they once were. She also talks openly about having a lower sex drive than her partner and how they're navigating that. Maya is a 29 year old cisgender female. She describes herself as white, straight, monogamous, and at the time of recording, she was soon to be married. She grew up in a non practicing Jewish home and she describes her figure as tall and busty. I am so pleased to introduce Maya. Maya, I am so happy to have you here with us today. We sort of found each other in the online space, as seems to happen these days. And you mentioned that you have a stutter. And while I love to interview all types of people, I thought, oh, that's a really interesting story that we haven't talked about yet is how somebody navigates the dating scene and communication in relationships when you have a stutter. So I'm thrilled that you said yes to being on the show. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah.
0: And I also want to say that your stutter is welcome here, should it happen. I hope that you won't feel the need to push through it or to make apologies. It's just who you are and what we're doing here today. So the first question that I ask everyone is, what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Yeah, I've been thinking
1: about this question a lot over the past few weeks and I want to say my first memory is probably my first kiss when I was in high school. It was junior year, and the kiss happened in a movie theater, and it really just exceeded my (laughs) expectations of what I imagined my first kiss would be. That's nice
0: (laughs) to hear. I know. You don't
1: often (laughs) hear that, but... No. Yeah, but there's a big but. <laughs> yeah. So it was this really good looking guy I had just met. And my friend had set me up with him. So there's kind of this like mystery to the entire date. And he went to a different school a few towns over. And after the kiss happened, it was right before the movie started. So the whole movie, I could barely concentrate because <laughs> all I could think about was the kiss and wanting to do it again. <laughs> um, and here's where the butt comes in. I later found out the guy had a girlfriend. Oh. And my dreams of ever going on another date with him were crushed. And not only that, I felt this extreme guilt for having been involved in his cheating. And really, in hindsight, this first experience of dating really tarnished the rest of my romantic relationships through high school and early college. So, Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because you felt like you couldn't trust people to be honest with you?
1: Yeah. Mm. And I
0: carried that guilt around
1: of like, I was so excited in that moment and then my excitement quickly turned to guilt and just like, oh my gosh, is this how dating is like, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know. It was just.
0: Yeah. I'm curious about like, how did you find out that he had a girlfriend? And was there any conversation that led you to believe that it definitely was cheating versus them having some sort of open arrangement that was not communicated to you? So my friend that had set me up, she was
1: friends with the girlfriend, and my friend had thought they had broken up but really, they were back together. And so I think he, from what it was communicated to me, is that was not his first time he cheated on her. And so uh. I think, yeah, it was a situation where they got back together and then they broke up and it was like
0: an ongoing in and out relationship. So, yeah, I'm sorry that you got caught up in the middle of that. That really sucks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know, you have those certain amer- th- those memories that whether you like it or not, you just carry with you. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of those memories that I can't seem to like shake off.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you said that it affected you through your high school and, and college dating, which makes it sound like maybe that has moved some as you've gotten into your later 20s. Is that true? Yes, it's very true. I definitely
1: learned a lot because I was single for most of my life before I met my fiance. And so I feel like I, I learned a lot about myself while being single. And even my stutter actually really helped me find the right, the, the right person because not a lot of people – I I met and dated really, um, I was really able to connect with on such a deep level.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, Okay, there's so much I want to ask you, but I want to keep us on track with the chronology. So when did this first kiss happen? So this happened
1: in junior year of high school. So my third year, okay, So maybe 16-ish? Yes.
0: Okay. Had you discovered masturbation at that point? I didn't discover
1: masturbation until pretty late. I think it was early college um, Mm -hmm. because that was like the first time I was on my own or really like like, I guess outside of my
0: parents' house did you have that sense of like being boy crazy and really thinking a lot about kissing or other physical anticipation? Yeah, so before I
1: had my first kiss, I read a lot of books as a kid and a teen. And in in these books I read, a lot of them were British teen books. And Mm -hmm. they would talk about like, dating and snogging as they call it in (laughs) the UK. (laughs) And I never really dated that much in high school. So reading these books was really my escape. And it kind of helped fill that hole, I guess I had with not dating Mm -hmm. anyone in high school.
0: Yeah. So um, you find out that he has cheated on that he has cheated with you, which is interesting is so often we hear the story of the girl who's been cheated on. Not as often we hear the story of the girl who's been cheated with, because in the sort of, uh, I think, grand consciousness of the whole thing, we think that she must be the devil who's trying to break up the relationship, which is not at all the case. You are as much a I don't like the word victim, but you are as much done wrong by, by this guy as the other girl was. Yeah.
1: And it did impact me a lot in my self-worth and just not feeling good enough throughout my um, earlier years.
0: Yeah. I can understand why. Like, um, I imagine the thoughts would be something like, why am I not good enough to be the first choice?
1: Yeah. And I would always, I always felt that as soon as I would get excited about a guy, it would eventually lead to nothing. And I would be left for like another girl. And so I would constantly just think like, I would never have someone, I guess. And um, And this even led me to having a, a long-term relationship with someone that I knew deep down that wasn't the right person for me, but I so craved that partnership mm-hmm. that I kind of just stuck with him anyway. And the, the this was the relationship before my fiancé, so... So yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of that just, yeah, it's, it, it carried into that first long term relationship in college. Yeah.
0: Um, that's such, um, well, it's a story that I relate with a lot. That feeling of I'm not good enough. So I need to take whoever is showing me attention because maybe I'll never find attention anywhere else even if they're really not good for me yeah and it wasn't that he was
1: like i like i am fortunate where i've never had a relationship at least like i i, I ha- i've had had some experiences that were very unpleasant but as far as like a relationship goes I've never had like a toxic or unhealthy relationship. So I feel very lucky in that. It's just mm-hmm. the partner I had before, it was just a very comfortable relationship. And I was sacrificing a lot of myself, I guess, because I was very driven and passionate. And he he seemed more content with just having a more chill and not as kind of passion heavy life as me. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I, I settled a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's go back again to high school. We keep, (laughs) I keep wandering off the track (laughs) to ask you other questions. Um, You mentioned that there were a few times when you got excited about people and then felt let down. So, can you can you tell me a little bit more about those experiences? Yeah, so there was in my senior year,
1: so the next year I was kind of seeing this football player and I got, I was really excited about him, but he ended up kind of ghosting me, I guess. I mean, it wasn't a term then, mm. but I'll use that to, to term because <laughs> it's the most fitting. And it was just really embarrassing because I I verbalized my excitement to a lot of my friends, and then I had t- to tell them, you know, when he wasn't interested anymore. Um, I had to kind of tell them that it didn't work out. And then there was in my first year of college, I I think it was the first time I really fell for someone. I fell for this guy. He was a senior. And I think the reason why I felt so much for him is because one, he was older. And two, he reminded me so much of my dad. (laughs)
0: Mm. And my dad (laughs) is so
1: unique. So I was just like, oh my God, like I'm never gonna find someone like this ever again. So I kind of like fell hard. And then he ended up dumping me. And so that was really the first time that I felt really heartbroken, even though it wasn't a long relationship. I think it was the first time I really started planning out a future with
0: someone in my head. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So in those two relationships, how far did things get physically?
1: Um, I didn't lose my virginity until senior year the end of senior year so those earlier relationships before that um it was just kissing and then I lost my virginity it was actually prom night I had a plan to lose my virginity (laughs) on a prom night no matter what I just wanted it to happen (laughs) that is the plot of so many movies (laughs) I know and I think it's the the movies that really drove that goal and so I ended up losing my virginity to a guy I kind of liked and he ended up not wanting to like have a relationship. So that had a lot of psychological effects too. <laughs> and it like, w- yeah. it wasn't a good experience at
0: all. It was so uneventful. And I was just like, this sucks. And- when you say uneventful, does that mean <laughs> that you didn't have any pleasure that no. you didn't have an orgasm no. or that it was just terrible all around? One, it was, I didn't feel any pleasure
1: at all and two we did it in a way where like everyone kind of knew it happened so there was it was kind of like I had to do a walk of shame afterwards which was yeah oh, no. which was annoying <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't it's weird cuz i don't really like that specific event doesn't really have a big impact on me because i think think it did it in the moment and at the time But looking back in hindsight, I really just say like, oh, wow, I was a teenager and I was like, that was just where my head was, you know, like there's no judgment there, which is good. I've come to that place.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you've now had sex. It sounds like you haven't really had much pleasure at all yet. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. Um. So then you get to college and what happens in college?
1: Yeah, so college was a very – it was an awesome experience because I had a lot of sexual partners, and I think the person that I had my first orgasm with was, with, was when I was studying abroad in Israel, and it was with this really rich French guy, so <laughs> – Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of like out of a romance novel and he ended up, yeah. And he ended up breaking my heart too. That was the first time I really was like, oh, this is what can happen.
0: (laughs) Mm. So there was a lot of pleasure involved there. It sounds like. Yes. And what was that like for you to have those feelings for the first time? I mean, it was it was
1: it was really good because no partner that I had before had really cared that much and he seemed t- to really enjoy like making me feel good. So, that was the first time where I was like, "Oh, that like th- this is another form of relationship that I just never experienced." So, it was very yeah, yeah it was But, like, I wouldn't really consider myself a very sexual person. Like, I like it, but I feel like it's not one of, like, the top things that I need in a relationship, Mm -hmm. if that makes
0: sense. Absolutely. So what are the things you really need in a relationship? So I think this really goes back to my stuttering,
1: I really need someone who's patient that's number one Mm -hmm. because when you're dating someone with a stutter, you have to (laughs) be patient because sometimes it takes a while for the other – for the person who stutters to say what they want to say. And I really want someone who's very driven and passionate and someone that I can laugh with and my, f- my fiance has all three of those, those qualities and it really helps because when he was younger, he used to have a stutter. So there's like this deep oh. understanding there.
0: Yeah. So what is, what are some of the things that people would do that would clue you into the fact that they are not patient? Sometimes
1: they would try to finish my sentence or give me a weird look or make fun of me oh, in like no. a joking way. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: that's terrible. Yeah. Um
1: And I think it wasn't only what the other person did, but it was also myself too, because sometimes I would hide a big part of myself, which really is my stutter. And the more I hit it, the less authentic I was being. And I think a lot of people pick up on that, whether it has to do with my stuttering or not. I think there's like this unauthentic side that comes out, which makes it really hard to connect with people. And so when I try to hide my stutter, it's hard to connect with people. And when I stutter, it's hard to connect with people. So it it really was a lose lose mm. situation and i think that was like through high school i just think that in hindsight i really was hiding a lot of myself growing up and i feel like no one really understood me in high school And so maybe that's why I wasn't really able to date or there was something blocking myself from dating.
0: Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense? but I need help applying it to my particular situation. That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you, And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like... Expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcary.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcary.com forward slash coaching. Stuttering is not something that I have experience with. So I'm curious to hear you say that you would work to hide your stutter because I didn't actually know that that was possible. So I'm curious, what does it mean to hide your stutter and, and how would you even do that? So there are a lot of forms of
1: stuttering. Like I, I would even go as far as to say that each person stutters differently. Some people are able to hide their stutter. And sometimes this can be done through therapy. Sometimes I would kind of have my own techniques where I'd like avoid certain words, find the synonyms for certain words that I know I'll stutter on or to just not talk as much. And then a lot of people would think that I was shy, which I'm like the opposite of shy. So (laughs) there's certain ways you avoid and hide your stutter while also like hiding a lot of about your personality. Mm -hmm. And so um, there'd be some moments where I couldn't hide my stutter and I would just stutter, but I got so good at hiding it that a lot of people would never know I had a stutter. And so that's kind of how it works. Although, you know, there are some forms of stuttering where a person cannot hide it. And so it kind of just buries. Mm.
0: I can see what you mean when you say that you avoid certain words or you just don't talk as much. When that makes a lot of sense when you say like you weren't able to connect as deeply. Because when you're thinking so much about how to communicate, it makes it harder to just show up and communicate. Yeah. Yeah, it's really difficult. And
1: one of the things that I was able to kind of use stuttering to my advantage was when I started dating after college, I was able to really kind of figure out really early on, like usually by the the first date, whether or not that person was good for me or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I think that system really helped me, like, be picky. And and so it, it kind of did work in my favor. And I think after college, I just – I was more clear in the kind of partner I wanted.
0: hmm Were there times that you said – screw it, I'm going to go with somebody who I know isn't good for me because damn, they're cute? Or was that really one of your like top priorities?
1: Yeah, I think when I started dating again, after college, the first year or so, I was like, I wasn't really looking for anyone serious. And so I was kind of just going with the flow. And like, I would see guys like even if I knew that they weren't good for me I'd still just see them for the companionship and just to have someone to hang out with but then when I met my fiance I knew right away that he was the one and Mm. because yeah it was just I, I just knew it and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was so so patient and he was so understanding about my stutter it never even faced him like when I would stutter it was just like talking to someone that could see past my stutter into like who I I really was and I just never I mean I had experienced that once or twice but never was it like those three things that I had had mentioned and the whole stuttering thing. So he, I guess the phrase is he, he ticked all the the boxes. (laughs) Yeah. I knew right away. I was like, how can I make this guy like stay in my life a long time? (laughs) (laughs) So I was very sneaky about it, but it it worked.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we need to know all about that. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your first kiss with him like? It was
1: magical. (laughs) Um, I really liked his lips a lot. That was huge for me. I love like the perfect size of lips, you know? And so that was 10 out of 10. And fire, it was literally like fireworks when we first kissed. So I know that's kind of cliche, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs)
0: and then did that carry over to sex like was sex good right away or did you have to be together for a while to figure out how to have sex together
1: so he was really experienced so it was pretty immediate the sex was good from the very beginning and he's like he's a way more sexual person than I am so Mm -hmm like he had, I guess, more of a sex drive than me. I mean, in the beginning, it was equal, but I just figured out as like, we spent more years together that
0: his sexual drive was a lot higher than mine. Mm -hmm. So that initial sex drive being well matched is not unusual. You know, we would call that new relationship energy, where you're like, I must have my hands on this person all of the time. Um mm-hmm. But, but over time, those chemicals fade, and that's completely natural. So where are you today with your sex drive? Do you feel like he's getting as much sex as he needs? Do you feel like you're giving more sex than you want? Like what, how's that dynamic now? Um, I feel like he might need more
1: from me than, than I'm giving him. I mean, it's not a huge issue because he said that like his sexual drive is not as intense as it used to be. And so he's six years older th- than me, but so- sometimes I think that he might want it more, but he's just not saying it because he knows that I'm not as, like, I- I'm not as in, to, to do it as often as he wants and when I met him I was I was in my early 20s so my body was a lot d- different too and so I think there there might be like a connection there too in what way um like I'm a lot curvier now and so I think th- there might not be as much like attraction
0: as th- there was in the in the be- beginning, you think that he is less attracted to your curvy body. Yeah, is that a conversation you've had with him where you yes. asked the question? Yes. And what does he say? He says yes. <laughs> yes, he's less attracted. Yeah. Okay. How does that feel to you? It doesn't feel good. <laughs> So how are you handling that? That's, that's a big thing. That's a hard thing.
1: Um, I mean, I think, I mean, it's not, it's a two way street, you know, like he's, he's admitted that he's like not in the best shape either, but we have like put a plan together for, for like both of us to eat, um, healthier and go on more walks. And we're even thinking of putting in a, like a home gym into our apartment. But but yeah, I think we do have honest conversations and I think image is something that's important to him. So it's like, I try not to take it personally, (laughs) but yeah, it's still hard to hear and deal with.
0: I mean that kind of is personal, yeah. So trying to not take it personally is hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I have a lot of thoughts about this, <laughs> 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 and and you can tell me to stop at any moment. Okay, promise. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in these bodies that look one way in our 20s and look a completely different way in our 60s. So the two of you are getting married, which implies that you expect to have a long term relationship. Do you think that he would be okay with the fact that your body will change over time, as will his?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, we've been together for almost seven years now. Mm-hmm. And al- although he's brought up that he's not as attracted t- to me as he was initially, he thinks that our relationship is like more important to him than like the superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking like, okay, well, this is probably not the first guy to think those thoughts about his long-term girlfriend. So, but it's just like some guys aren't as honest about it as he is, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of guys who think this and I'm certainly not putting him down. We are bombarded with images all day, every day, of what the quote unquote, perfect, attractive, desirable body looks like. And 99.5% of us don't look like that. And so men who tend to be the, I, the, I'm going to make some generalizations here, and they are not a 100%. But men tend to be quite visually uh, focused, so they see something and they they are attracted or they are not, and a lot of that is based in what they've been socialized to believe is attractive, which is this. Uh, my partner and I are watching the Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson <laughs> um, uh, mini series right now, so like Pamela Anderson is in my head. I mean, men are socialized to believe that that is the ideal. Big boobs, tiny waist, curvy hips, beautiful legs, blonde, skinny. Most of us don't look like that. And so the hard thing is that it is then on us to be okay with who we are, even without them saying, oh, you're the most beautiful thing in the world because if you don't hear them saying that and then you think, oh, I'm not so pretty, he probably won't want me, it makes you sort of like collapse into yourself at which point they're like, she's not the woman I fell in love with, you know? Because it's just, it's such um, a, it's a negative feedback loop at that point. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: – yeah, it's definitely been hard because I grew up with a very fast metabolism. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I'm in my mid-20s and my body, it seemed like, just changed overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm still, like, grappling with the fact that be- before and after, I guess, yeah, of that sure. switch.
0: Are there things that you know how to do to deal with your body as it is today, as opposed to trying to get it back to where it was at 22? Um, not really. I mean,
1: the only th- things that I can think of that have worked in th- the past is I used to run a lot. And it was less about losing weight and more about just like the endorphins I would get from Mm -hmm. running. And like the fact that it would help me just be more productive during the the day is if I got like a run in, like more exercise. And then I also play volleyball for fun every week. So Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like a constant thing in my life, like it's seasonal. And so sometimes I get in these exercising phases. And then sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's real. Um, So I'm certainly never going to tell anybody don't exercise. If you if you are motivated to exercise, you go do it. That's not me. <laughs> I am not motivated in that way. Um, but one thing that I really recommend, if it's of interest to you, is to look at your social media feeds, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram, look at the people who you're following. If you can, if you feel comfortable with it, try muting the people who fit that sort of perfect body ideal, and in their place, follow some people who are, you know, fat yoga, fat dance, a bunch of other hot, uh, big hashtags. Um, in in January, ditch the diet is a big one. Um, or uh, F your beauty standards, things like that, where people who live in real bodies are posting pictures of themselves. And what it does is it begins to reset your brain to understand that this is what a real body looks like. Mm -hmm. And do that for a few days or a week or a month, however long you can tolerate it because uh, I have noticed for myself, it makes a huge difference. When I am primarily looking at little, skinny, young, blonde, <laughs> big boobed women, I feel increasingly bad about myself versus when my feed is filled with women who look like actual real women. Mm-hmm. I remember that, oh, yes, my body is is normal. hmm doesn't mean that I'm completely in love with my body and I stand in front of the mirror and I'm like, Oh my God, you're gorgeous today. Like that's just probably not ever going to happen. <laughs> but that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is just to get to, I'm okay. Like this body that I have is okay. It's normal. Yeah. And
1: that's a, that's such a great su- suggestion because my feed right now, because I watch a lot of reality TV, like the the bachelor. And yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) And so I end up like following these women after each season and it's just like, and yeah, it does make me feel really bad about myself. So (laughs) that's a good tip.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to turn them off completely. Mm-hmm. Just mute them for a little while. Maybe put them in a group that you can go look at. I don't, I don't know if Instagram does that. But um yeah, you don't have to get rid of them entirely. Just don't make them the main people who you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. The Bachelor, man. I, I, I'm a complete Bachelor addict, too. And it can fuck with my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I feel like I have beaten this horse a little bit. I hope you're okay with that.
1: Yeah. No, it's okay. been very freeing <laughs> talking about all this stuff.
0: Good. I'm glad. And again, I, I, I'm not here to say that your fiancé is doing anything wrong. He is acting the way that we socialize our men to act. So yeah. um yes, it would be delightful if he did some learning and some growing in that way as well. Um, But this is not the sign that he's a bad person or a bad match. I just want to be super clear about that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want people listening to this and being like, she's trying to break up a marriage. No, I'm not. (laughs) friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free. And one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex. I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex-positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation you can cancel at any time, plus I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So how is your sex life today? I I hear you that there are some challenges around body image, and that your sex drives aren't completely aligned. But when you have sex, how is it? It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's nothing like,
1: it's pretty standard, (laughs) I would say. Um, It's not very adventurous. But that but uh, like uh, again, like that's that kind of is maybe that there's a part of myself that I haven't tapped into to, to yet. But the the trend has been that I've never really been this like person that's just like very sexually driven. And who knows, maybe that's like that has a lot of factors baked in. But
0: so it's totally normal to not be really sexually driven to have a lower sex desire, completely normal, and it can change over time. So, you know, just because that's the way it is today doesn't mean that's the way it'll be three years from now. Mm -hmm. When you say that you're, uh, I forget the word you used, standard, you have a pretty standard sex life, but it's nothing adventurous. Yeah. Is that okay with you? Is that what you want? Or are you looking for more adventure? Um, I'm pretty content. I feel like,
1: (laughs) like I have a lot of pleasure in my life that isn't sexual, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like my life right now, it's very full and there's just a lot of happiness there. So Mm -hmm. I don't really, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but it just, it doesn't seem as needed whereas like when I was in college it was like I needed it all at the time like I was Mm -hmm. and even early like after college when 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 I was single I just always was craving it but I feel like I was single for so long like I didn't date anyone seriously until second year of college I kind of got a lot of that out of my system in a way. I mean, that's a very narrow view, but I do feel that that I was very adventurous while I was single from like, I would say maybe 14 or 15 to 19. So that's a pretty long time to be Mm -hmm. single.
0: How much do you and your fiance have non-sexual touch, cuddling, um, just sort of putting your arms around each other?
1: Oh, all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah his,
1: one of his lo- love languages is touch. Like he mm-hmm. always likes when I like touch him, even if it's just like holding his hand or like putting my hand on, on his back at di- dinner. So, you know, like he's just, that's how. That's
0: his love language. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And for someone who has a lower sexual drive, getting your touch need met that way can be really satisfying.
1: Yeah. I never thought of it that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So good job. (laughs) And it's a reminder that I should should do it more because sometimes because it's not my love language. So Sometimes I have to like remind myself,
0: oh, he really likes this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any questions or concerns you have about sex in general, about your sex life in particular? Not
1: concerns, but I do have a group of girlfriends and there's six of us and two of us are like probably more on the less sexual ge- Drive, but then mm-hmm. the other four, they're like very open about what they're doing. And like one of my f- friends even um, goes to like a lot of sex parties and stuff like across the country. And so, and, and it's like, I don't, I don't judge them at all, but I just can't really relate. And so, when we all have those conversations, I kind of just stay quiet, and I I think it's just because I'm not sure if it's because like I was socialized this way, but I just never really felt that urge to have to like experiment in all of these ways and have all of these sexual experiences. Like I feel like I'm content with what I've experienced so far. So I'm not
0: sure if that that makes me boring or not. (laughs) Does not make you boring at all. It makes you exactly who you are. Are you familiar with the term demisexual? No. So that's something that you might want to look up and do a little reading on. There are two different ways that this term is used. Um, So you may relate to one and not the other, or you might relate to both. One of them is, I'm only interested in having sex with people who I already have a prior connection with, where I feel already an emotional connection with them. The other way that it's used is, sometimes I want sex, sometimes I don't, I can kind of take it or leave it. So, and I see you nodding. <laughs> I would say the second one probably resonates with, with me the best. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So that is not only completely valid, it is now becoming more uh, understood, I guess would be the way to say it. It's a term that people are more familiar with now. So if Your girlfriends are having this conversation and they're, you know, ribbing you like, why aren't you participating? Or like, what's your latest thing? It might be really helpful for you to have some understanding of what demisexuality is so that you don't have to feel like I'm the boring one in the group or I'm somehow missing something that everyone else gets. No, you're just, you're doing what is right and appropriate and comfortable for you.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and that's helpful. <laughs> Not good. but yeah, I mean it's it's good be- because they never they never like c- call me out or an- anything and I'm like always asking questions like oh like what is that, you know? Like I'm yeah. just like what is this world that I'm just like an alien to. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, in order for them to talk about it, they have to have a willing listener. So you have an important part in that conversation, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now it's time for the lowdown the things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Yes. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? I would say 45. How old were you when you began masturbating? Um, 18. Have you ever had sex with someone with a different racial identity than your own? Yes. What's your favorite sex toy? Um... I like my vibrator the most. Is it an internal or an external vibrator? It's an external. Or both. External. External. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite sex position? I like doggy style. Do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate in the bedroom? My partner. Are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? Passive. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Clit stimulation. Do you enjoy G-spot stimulation? Yes. Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Yes. Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Um, I would say easy. <laughs> You said that with a lot of hesitation. Yes.
1: It's easy when I do it to myself. It's harder when others try to do it to me.
0: Yes. I hear that. <laughs> do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person?
1: Um, Other person.
0: Have you ever faked an orgasm? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever faked an orgasm with your current partner? Yes. Under what circumstances do you do that? Um. When
1: I'm tired, but I don't
0: want to say no. <laughs> hmm. Have you ever said to him, it's just not going to happen for me tonight? Like I'm enjoying this, but it's not going to happen? No. Would you feel comfortable doing that? Oh, yeah, but I've just never done it. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe because it has never occurred to you before because it's not something we talk about? Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe try it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite thing to do to your partner during sexual play? Um, I like giving him head
1: th- the most because mm-hmm. he likes it th- the most. Cool. Do you swallow? I don't. What do you do? I um I just let I just have it in my mouth and then I just spit it out on him. <laughs> and he yeah. just wipes it <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> and he's okay with that? Yeah, he doesn't care. Good. Um what kind of touch do you enjoy receiving the most? I like probably when he
1: fingers me and touches my cl-
0: clit probably is the best. What are your hard red lines? The things you absolutely don't want to do. Um,
1: I don't want to do a threesome <laughs> or anything more than just us two. Mm-hmm. And he did anal a lot with his, with his, um, with his ex, but I just, I never tried it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the beginning of our relationship, he asked a few times and I said no. And then like after a while, he just gave
0: up. (laughs) All right. I mean, good for you for setting a boundary and maintaining it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about porn? Um, I watch it now and again. Mm hmm. Are there particular kinds you watch? Nothing really in particular. Okay. What's your ideal frequency of sex? Um probably like once a week. Mm-hmm. And what's going on now? Now it's like once a month. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's not initiating or because, why why is it not happening? Yeah, he's just not initiating. Mm. Have you ever talked about it with him?
1: Yeah, we talk about it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's It's definitely something that's, yeah. It's a challenging kind of conversation to have, and it can be really helpful to have a third party to navigate that conversation because you both bring a lot of baggage into the room with Mm -hmm. you. No matter who you are, you both bring a lot of baggage in. Yeah. Do you have hair down there or are you bare?
1: Right now I have hair, but usually when I have more money,
0: I get it waxed off. (laughs) Okay. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. Do you ever worry about your smell or taste? Yes, all the time. <laughs> what do you do about it?
1: Um, I've tried to get prescriptions from my doctor because I'm like, this can't be normal. But then she's like, yeah, it is. You, there's nothing like you need to take to like. So I th- think I'm j- just like overly thinking about it because so- sometimes it, it just it seems to smell like.
0: Like, yeah, I'm just very self-conscious about it. You're not alone in that. <laughs> you know what? One of my favorite things has been, and this is not an ad, <laughs> but uh, we got a Hello Toshiba Day and I can use it to freshen up <laughs> when I feel like things are a little more fragrant than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> mm. It's been great. Yeah. Do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? Yes. Do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters? Yes. Have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you? Yes. There have been instances where
1: I've been attracted to women, but never enough to like pursue it, I guess. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I wouldn't say confused because I feel like I say that openly. You know what I mean? Like I know. Yeah. Okay.
0: What is your favorite part of your body?
1: Hmm. Probably my
0: hands, fingers. I have long fingers. I've been noticing that as we've been talking and you move your hands. I'm like, oh, she has really pretty hands. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I'm always very aware of because I have always felt like my hands were kind of short and stubby. And so I really notice women's pretty hands. (laughs) (laughs) What's your least favorite part of your body? Mm. (laughs) My tummy. Yeah. Yeah. What is something about your current sex life that isn't as satisfying as you'd like it to be? I wish we'd try to, cause
1: we finally live just the two of us. So I'd like to like have sex in d- different areas of the, the room,
0: like mm-hmm. of the apartment, not mm-hmm. just the bedroom. Yeah. I hope that you'll have that opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? Um, I used to feel very guilty that I had
1: had sex with so many people, Um, and so I wish I could go back and say like it's okay to have a lot of se- sexual partners it doesn't mean you're like a slut or a whore or something
0: yeah yeah it can mean a lot of things It can mean you're getting your touch needs met it can mean you're exploring what works for you it can mean that you're finding connection it can mean lots of things but it does not mean that you are a bad person or that you are somehow morally wanting in any way. Maya, I'm so glad to have had you here today. Thank you for your openness and your honesty. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, Please take a moment to leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to Arc Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good talk about sex show notes and transcripts for this episode are at GoodGirlsTalk.com. talk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at GoodGirls talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720 good sex. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcary.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.